This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with the CTO, my man Michael Remus, back at the Winnipeg Sports Talk Control Center. Big show. It is a Friday, and it's going to be a real fun Friday to coin the term from the boys on the old Big Show. And one of those boys from the Big Show, Jim Toth, is going to join us coming up in just a few minutes on the program. And we'll also talk much more Winnipeg Jets, CFL, and whatnot with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press coming up a little later on today during the program. Big thanks right off the bat to our incredible family of sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Let's get right to it and welcome in the CTO himself, Michael Remus. Remo, weekend's about here. I was in a great mood. It has been dampered somewhat by uh, the fact that we uh, hit the 500 mark in new cases. Sounds like there's going to be some new restrictions coming. Um Thank God we've got sports. Uh, I'll tell you that much because uh, I have a feeling we might be spending even more time at home coming up uh, based on uh, what we're hearing with new restrictions coming up at 6 p.m. on a Friday, which is the an incredible Friday night news dump time for relatively important information. Uh, but then again, our doctors are busy dealing with a bunch of idiots in court this morning. Um, anyways, I just thought I'd get that off my chest. Hopefully everyone stays safe, especially with Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. What's going yeah, did, on? Did you know it was Mother's Day Sunday? My wife said to me last night, she's like, hey, did you know it was Mother's Day? I'm like, actually, I just found out that it was earlier uh, that day, so... Well, you probably you probably found out on the program when I was talking about the Little Brown Jug Mother's Day pack that yeah. um, they had available that we mentioned earlier this week. Um, other than that, now here, okay, here's a question. Um, like, are you prepared? Like, you mm. now are married to an actual mother. And yeah. knowing you, you're like, well, she's not my mom. Uh, you know, you could leave that up to Evan, but uh, he's not yet two, so I'm not really too sure how much he can take care of that. Yeah, last year, last year I, I think we did, I got her uh, a gift, you know, because it was the first Mother's Day and it was the first Father's Day for me. It was exciting. And now we're back to being like, ah, Mother's Day, you know, it's kind of a fake holiday. You do something nice. I'll get a card, get my son to sign it, maybe a handprint. And, uh, and, Good idea. And maybe some uh, some chocolates, some flowers. Hopefully she's not listening. Otherwise, surprise is ruined. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> You've got some work to do. you got some work cut out for you coming up. Um, and again, we'll do, uh, we're going to talk about some new beers from Little Brown Jug earlier, but I may as well mention um, both Little Brown Jug's got a great Mother's Day package right now. You can see that on their website. And... Uh, and heck, Nick and Nikki, um, they're great for every, every occasion. Um, but the DQ cake for Mother's yeah. Day, an elite edition, a very elite edition. Get one at one of the four Nick and Nikki DQs or find them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba okay. and they'll get you all set up. I was talking to someone who's got experience with DQ in Winnipeg. And uh, she's like, which DQ is your sponsor? I'm like, uh, Nick and Nikki DQ Group. DQ St. Anne's, DQ Northgate, <laughs> DQ... She's like, wait a second, DQ St. Anne's. That's the best one in the city. And I was like, she's like, they have the best ice cream, better than all the other ones. I was like, really? I'll have to, uh, 
I'll have to go check it out now. Well, I don't... there's an there's another bit. Um, Which one's the cake I... one? Which one's the one with the cakes? That that's the D- DQ Northgate. Okay, sorry, the cake, DQ the Northgate cakes. is the one is the one that I think you need to go to because it has apparently has better ice cream than the other DQs. Well, uh, uh, listen, I think you can't go wrong with the ice cream at any of them. But I will say, Nick did give me a little trade secret that the burgers. I told you, I didn't think that they actually had burgers at the St. Anne ones. I thought it was one of those little smaller kind of ice cream only ones. They've got the old school flat top griddle there that they use. So I'm looking forward to trying an ultimate grill burger from uh, from over there. Um, listen, we could talk about food, ice cream, Mother's Day for a while. Yeah, let's um, do that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know me, I'm down. Uh, it sounds listen, like a great idea. <laughs> we're going to get Toth on, but um, Jets practice this morning. Um, you know, We'll get to the players and the news from Maurice in a second. But um, to me, the biggest news, playoffs coming, Matthew Perot has shaved the beard. A clean shaven yeah. 85 out there. Sarah Orleski tweeted out that she thought that... Um, the Jets might have called up a new player or something like that. But no, in fact, it was just Matthew Perot's uh, shave for the first time in a while. Very different look for uh, 85. Um, I'm going to pull this up right now because I saw that and I was like, man, is he, he's like Samson. Is he going to lose all of his powers now? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to pull this up. But uh, yeah, he's, he's shaving. Matthew Perot, I mean, a couple years ago, he had that huge beard look. And now clean shaven. I guess he's ready for the playoffs, right? You got the rule is you have to shave it and then let it grow. So now that they've clinched, I guess you can you know you can start letting it grow. But here he is, Matthew Perot. Uh, you can't there really it see; it's kind of far away, but he's there. It's clean shaven. Uh, I'm curious what he's gonna do, but yeah, yes. If you came here for Matthew Perot facial hair updates, uh, you you got him. There it is, right there. He's <laughs> there we are. So when you hey, watch the game, yeah, when you watch a game tomorrow, you'll be like, "Who is that guy wearing an '85 jersey?" We'll see how it affects the play. I can't wait for the pre-shave, post-shave uh, split stats. I'm sure that those are be- going to be coming. Yeah, well, hopefully the team would be playing long enough to actually have some major before and after pictures with, um, you know, a little playoff run that, you know, gives them some time to actually oh. grow some nice beards. Okay, Mal Paris uh, wrote in chat, Matty P, top, top <laughs> <Mal> three. Mal Paris. <laughs> wrote in chat, top, Matty P, top three hottest jet. <laughs> and then also says, uh, James Robbins says, the beard is the source of all of his power. Jet L. Tom, he'll skate faster now. Uh, eliminating the drag that actually might be correct so of all those those three statements uh, you can take your pick which one you believe the most <laughs> we're talking aerodynamics here um big news out of the uh out of the you know paul maurice's um chat with the media today is that the kid Vili hanela is staying in the lineup he'll play against ottawa now it was sort of interesting. I mean, in some ways, uh, you know, I kind of take it as the coach, you know, trying to, you know, I, I think he realizes how excited people are going to be with the fact that he's he's coming in um, to the lineup and staying in the lineup. But I think he is couching it a little bit on the fact that, you know, of course, they're playing. Well, he basically said the Calgary Flames, he was expecting one thing and didn't get the other. So it's time to see whether he can handle the duress. And there wasn't a lot of duress. But to be honest with you, the way Billy Hanela plays minimizes duress, I think. And I, I have a feeling I'm not going to go right out and do the hot take like I did with Logan Stanley in like week two, that he's coming in and he's never coming out, Reem, because I guess there is a chance that he does come out. But I will say this. If you had to ask me yes or no, 
does Vili Hainala get into one of the first two games of the playoffs? I think right now I would be leaning yes. And a, a week or two ago, that would not have been the case. He's just impressive. He's passed all the tests right now. And I think Maurice is going to give him more. But if he continues to do that, I don't see how they don't take advantage of what he's bringing to the table, considering their needs on the blue line. Yeah, and considering they just lost uh, how many games in a row? Seven, and then won one, and the you know the bookends of those games, he was in the lineup. Total coincidence, has nothing to do with it. And we had a laugh before the show, Maurice saying, you know what, I expected a lot more from the Calgary Flames in that game. So did everyone this season. <laughs> this they, whole season. So yeah. They fired the entire coach. I think everyone expected more from the Flames, not just for that one game. And I don't know how I just thought of that now, but as someone who was taking the Flames very early in the season, repeatedly on DraftKings, hoping for them, oh yeah, Goudreau, Monaghan, they're going to break out of this any day now. Well, it hasn't happened, and they're going to have some changes. But hey, you can only play the games that you know they put you in for. And he played, and he played well, and he's earned another shot against Ottawa. Are we going to hear after the game? Well, I mean, Ottawa, they're... They're a bottom team in the North Division. <laughs> Let's see how he does against the big boys. Well, they didn't put him in against uh, against Edmonton on that losing streak. They didn't put him in against Toronto. I mean, they did that one game, and they he won. Did play, that, they won. That was they the won. last time that he was in for a while. So, so it, It's been weird. It's been puzzling a little bit, I think. You know, maybe it was they were thinking that they'd get Ben in the lineup, and he would just fit in perfectly, and it would make the decision easy that they go forward with that. Um, but I don't, honestly, I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, were paying particularly close attention to what Hanelow was doing when he was on the ice against the Calgary Flames, and it was impressive. And he's earned an opportunity to stay in the lineup. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do tomorrow on that uh, program. There was no Neil Pionk today, um, but it did sound like it was just a maintenance day, Remus. And I'll tell you what, for you know, when you talk about Jets players that have logged a lot of ice time, a lot of heavy minutes, have been physical, Neil Pionk is right up at the top of the list. Um, it's expected that he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, but honestly, considering the amount of tread on his tires from this year, uh, might not be a bad thing to see him get a little bit of a break at some point before we begin the postseason. Yeah, we'll see what happens with him tomorrow. Didn't practice today. Sounded like it was very, uh, very minor. But um, Pionk's been great this year. And, uh, I mean, you compare his numbers uh, to Truba's. Uh, I had some old takes that should be exposed about that trade. So he's been awesome, uh, Pionk. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if that him, you know, we didn't really see uh, him and Morrissey pair at practice because Pionk wasn't in there. But I saw all the guys uh, tweeting the lines. We did have Morrissey with DeMello, Forbort, Poolman, Hainala, Ben, Stanley, Niku. So who's on those? Mitch, Clinton, Marat, Scott Billick, all all tweeting about what was going on. So that's one other thing. And uh, one other thing Maurice mentioned, uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Everyone's coming in our chat saying, what's up with the Ehlers? What's up with the Ehlers? Well, it sounds like he might be practicing tomorrow in a non-contact jersey. So that is something that's good to hear. But um, we'll watch for that uh, in tomorrow's skate. Um, I see Bus Split has just thrown in, and by the way, shout out to everyone that is joining us on this Friday afternoon with us live here on YouTube. Um, Bus Split has just thrown down a challenge. 15 bucks in the super chat if Toth unblocks me and is in the hot tub. Now, I don't think we can arrange a live hit from the hot tub right away, but Remus, it has been a while since I have got to be uh, I've, since I've got to orchestrate any Twitter amnesty. We used to do Twitter amnesty with Gary once a year. 
because Gary at one point lived 12 months of the year in Blocktober. But I, I, I'm interested. I, 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 well, we're going to have to ask Toth about the blocking. D- Jim doesn't seem like a big blocker. So maybe a, a split came with some real heaters to it to Jim yeah. or maybe just insulted his hair. Yeah, I'm not sure. I see Jim in the green room right now uh, trying to make his hair look nice. La- I know people were upset last time when he, <laughs> he had a hat. hat on. He had a hat on. He's not wearing one of those uh, Bears draft caps from Royal Sports, but he's uh, I can see him in the, in the green room trying to make sure it looks good. So he's definitely bringing it today. I love the fact that we have a green room now for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It it's a virtual uh, virtual green room, of course. Hey, shout out to everyone, as I said, who's here. And Vern Fechtel. Vern, I know you were watching the curling. Quick shout out and congratulations to Carrie and the girls team, Einerson wins today over China. They get to 7-6 and six after that miserable 1-5 and five start at the Worlds. They should be good for some sort of a tiebreaker. There's about a million possibilities because there's still a number of games left to go. But Canada, they got to their seven wins. Fingers crossed that they will be in the top six. Canada will automatically qualify for the Olympics, and we'll see what they can do coming up in the playoffs. All right, we're going to get to JT coming up in just a minute. As always, WST brought to you by Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery, an incredible variety of vehicles of all makes and models, price points as well, including a ton of Teslas. They've been the Tesla leader in Manitoba for the better part of the last decade. They'll help you consign a vehicle as well if you need to get out of one or you're in a lease. So you can find out more at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at not.ca. And Pizza Week continues. I have to tell you, folks, if you haven't tried the pizza flights at BP already, the playoff pizza flight which I believe Jet Oil Tom won on Wednesday, uh, is amazing. Had another one this week. It's the top line of the three six-inch pizzas and three dips for eighteen forty-nine. I think it might be the best deal on the menu. Uh, and it comes with the spicy pierogi, the meteor, and the bourbon barbecue chicken, and sriracha ranch, honey dill, and creamy garlic, garlic dips. So pick those up. Or the special Pizza Week offerings, the walking in Memphis, Our girl Taylor won that, I believe, last Friday. And it was Tracy who was the winner of the California Shrimp. That's a thin crust pizza, uh, tossed with citrus, tossed arugula, California love, if you will. So take advantage of Pizza Week and our great sponsors, Boston Pizza. You can get them uh, in restaurant or by delivery at all 11 local BPs. All right, let's get to it. Friday just got a lot more fun because the man himself, James Thomas Toth joins us now. Jim, how are you? Hair looks awesome. great. I like the how setup you? you've got in the back. Is that uh, is that muscle and fitness blocking the garbage can photo, or is that actually just uh, just the champion Astros from 2017? Oh, I I didn't even notice was back here. <laughs> I just I'm trying to block out the sun, and I just grab random things to do so. But yes, my World Series championship Astros thing is there. And I guess some leftover magazines, men's fitness with a Ryan Reynolds on the cover. And um, I haven't read GQ in a long time because there's no need to be fashionable in a pandemic. But I guess he's on the cover there, too. So, yeah, I'm just trying to block out the, uh, the sunlight. Hey, speaking of which, without the daily grind, and not that, you know, we really had to dress up to go back to the old studio and only see each other. But speaking of fashion tips in the pandemic, like how have you been what have you been wearing? 
Like, I haven't worn jeans in, like, 11 months. I don't think I've worn a collar for a long time. I've basically turned into sweats guy. And now we're transitioning into the shorts period of the year where I don't wear pants at all for four or five months. I've sort of have made it through quite well. What about you, Jim? I mean, you're wearing a collared shirt right now. I don't know whether I, this is just for show. This is just for the show. I'm, like, the first one I think I had a T-shirt on. I've been in, I would say, 95% of the time, T-shirt and sweatpants. And then I just recently, because I'm a big shorts guy, like I love shorts, and especially even at 1290 in the morning, even before it was warm enough, I'd wear shorts in with a hoodie or whatever. But I, I mean, my birthday was last month, and I got some gift cards, and I'm like, man, I just need to buy some T-shirts with this, because I wear this, like I do wear three, four T-shirts, then do a load of laundry, and then wear them again, and that's, so you're right. I mean, the hoodie, I see you're wearing and stuff too, but um, it's funny because, and I wonder how this goes in households with their significant others too, but you don't realize it. And then eight months go by and you'd be like, you know, it'd be nice if you wore a different pair of sweatpants this week. And you're like, what? Why? Where am I going? But um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is the first collared shirt I've worn. And even in the mornings, Huss, like, you know, we were, we had to be in at, at five or five thirty, and then, um, be out of there by 10 30 especially during the pandemic to sanitize the room and everything else so even in the morning like I, i'm sure Ricky and west would think that i just wear the same clothes every single day because i'd change my underwear and my t-shirt <laughs> and just put the same under armor shawl over top and that's what they saw me in every day like it just westy was a was hilarious because westy would come in he would leave during commercials and oil up start <laughs> slapping and then it would smell like bananas and uh, I don't know where I'm like, where are you going after this? And he's like, well, hey, like he's a big take care of yourself and all this kind of. And I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> self just self love, Jim. Yeah, self love. Like, Ricky would always wear some kind of crazy t shirt or a Flyers Christmas sweater or something. But um, I, I said that to them a lot. I go, you guys must think that I just wear the same thing every day. <laughs> so I, I mean, the pandemic too, but I do change every day. It's just like, other than a t-shirt and sweats, and now I'm into the shorts. This is the first collared shirt I've worn in months. <laughs> um, Barry Stanchuk just dropped in the chat. Where is the Z-Man? A shout out to the <laughs> Z-Man, our friend Robert Zilek. And at some point, I have promised this beginning, we will get the Z-Man on. We will do a special episode, the oral history of the NFL Sunday Ticket Show. And that that could be that could be a separate podcast series to be honest with some of the hijinks and laughs we had coming out of that there was things that i forgot about that are crazy <laughs> like when i worked at cjob and you worked there too like the newsroom was very dynamic like there was people almost in their 70s and there was employees in their 20s so like i always said this is like wkrp if you're old enough i mean there's so many characters at this radio station you write a book and people at cjob used to say to me what about shop <laughs> there must be some stories there and then like you know as, as we do like you and i will go to beer fest or something go golfing and somebody will say nfl sunday ticket show and it's i mean i'm very proud of that thing and i know you are like that was one of the main ways you started in this game and in, in the media and broadcast not one of the yeah well the yeah that's how it started and I always like, it's not like I'm, I'm, I, I cherish those times. Those were hilarious, funny times. <laughs> but I mean, when people remind me of them, it just, it's so many years ago. And in your career, my career, it's gone in so many different angles that I, I barely remember it until somebody says it. And then when that brought up, like Z-Man, and by the way, Z-Man sends me a note every once in a while, every month or two. And when this is over, we are going to get together. But when you brought that up or he did on Twitter and the oral, oral history of it, 
And just some of the stories that came back from it, like it's a book. Like, I mean, you, anything it, it you is. think of cable television <laughs> and how they make fun of it on Trailer Park Boys and everything else. I mean, we did some great things there. And there's some like big time journalists like Joanne Kelly, Kim Babbage, uh, Bob Baker, all that came through there. But there was some shenanigans there. And especially on that show that we all think it's funny because we were there. But when I tell some of those stories, people, A, don't believe it. And then B, they're like, that's like a Will Ferrell movie or something. Yeah, it'll definitely be a special episode at some point here on uh, on WST. Um, hey, folks, if you're with us right now, I think Remus just mentioned we are closing in on 4,000 subscribers. We're less than 20 away. So if you're with us right now, hit the like button, the thumbs up, please. But also, if you haven't already hit that red subscribe button, do so. Um, We'd love to have you here with us on the reg here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, Jim, let's get to the Jets. The streak is over. A very important win for the club just to move on from a pretty depressing couple weeks plus um, how significant is it, and what do you what are you looking for in these final four games for the Winnipeg Jets before they go up against either Edmonton or Toronto? Well, obviously, to end it is significant to avoid the hateful eight or the the terrible nine, whatever you wanted to call it. Um, you know, it was fascinating during that streak because I thought their worst game was Montreal and oh. how they blew that game. Um, and I've been taking a lot of heat. And I know you probably are going to bring it up about Blake Wheeler. And I tweeted out when he got injured, his importance to the lineup. And, and the team started losing games when he came back. And they weren't losing games when he was in it. But my tweet was never about wins or losses. My tweet was more about, like, I know he's not having – he's having a very bad year. Let me make that clear. But I don't think he's fallen off the rails that far in the span of a year. I think he's been injured all year. And when he came back, he was producing and playing well, but the team wasn't playing well. So – I know how that looks, but it was always about this guy is still an important factor in this team. But what I took from the losing streak the most was, and, and I'll say this again, like we hear a lot, and I used to say this on the show, they're not a young team anymore, they're not a young team anymore. And I used to say it's when Wheeler and, and Maurice and those guys say that, it's not about age, it's about experience. And teams normally, guys in their careers, three to four to five years. Three, four, five is when there's a difference seen consistently and everything. So they're not a young team anymore, but a few years ago they used to be. What stood out to me in the losing streak was where's your Mark Shifley? Where's your Kyle Connor? Where's your Pierre-Luc Dubois? Like, it's not about – and I know I love Andrew Kopp, and I've been a big fan of his. And even when the Line A stuff was going down, I, I kept saying, like, you know, lost in the Line A deal of maybe not wanting to trade or not. Here's a guy who said, I believe I'm a second-line center on this team, but I'm not going to ask for it. I'm going to prove it. And Andrew Kopp has gone out and done it. But he's still not going to score 80 points a game. Now, he's having a really good year. I get that. And he's been up and down the lineup. But most of his production hasn't come in the top six. Um, And the same with Mason Appleton. I love Mason Appleton. My point to that was, is Blake Wheeler, when the chips are down, and I know he came back and they lost six in a row. He was a point of game guy. And his analytics were way better. He was healthy. And that's what I was talking about. Again, what stood out to me in that losing streak is where's your other key guys? Where's your Kyle Connor? Where's your Mark Scheifele? To me, Jim, to me, those two players right now, that is the, that's the number one thing that I want to see before the end of the regular season. Does those guys, yeah. you know, produce and get a good feeling again about it? Because even in the game against Calgary, <clears throat> I mean, Wheeler was great. Adam Lowry was phenomenal. And, you know, again, we don't really maybe often enough speak of Lowry as one of the real leaders of the team. He doesn't have the number, he doesn't have the letter on his chest, but 
but he is. He absolutely is. And, I mean, to score early, to get that shorthanded goal, I mean, it was Lowry, Wheeler, and Hellebuck that really led the way in that game, and um, which is all great, but there's zero chance you're beating Edmonton or Toronto in a best-of-seven playoff series if you're not getting the best or near best out of Mark Shifley in particular. And I think yeah. that if you get that out of Mark Shifley, you get more out of Kyle Connor at the same time. I'm not who's worried the, about Blake Wheeler. Who's the poster boy of this team? Like when you go outside of the market, now that line is gone and people put up a Jets promo, it's Mark Shifley. And I know that on our show or the former show, the big show, Westwood and, and Rick, you're big on this too. And I, I used to say this, look, and we might get into this if we have time, but I, they don't, if you don't have Patrice Bergeron here, but what you have is guys that can do certain things and they're not going to look good analytically, but and I, I'm convinced after two or three years, that's just the way they are. They can be better in those departments, no doubt, but what do they get paid for? And they're just not doing it. And Mark Shifley, especially like the benching, and I, I like Shifley and I defended him a lot. I know his analytics and his defensive play, but this guy's a, a number one center, probably top 12, top 15 in the league. Um, and, and a lot of people rank him top 10. When your captain goes down or Nick Ehlers goes out of the lineup, you've got to put something on your shoulder. And and I know you guys have talked about this at length on your show. When he got benched, I like that because Paul Maurice doesn't pull out a benching very often. And a lot of people are talking about Paul Maurice and if he's on the hot seat and all that. This is a move you do when you are out of answers, when you're like, okay, this is this is it we are going in a very bad direction here and you're leading the way in that direction. And here's some pine. How you respond to that is how this team will go. So what I take from that is if, if Mark Scheifele didn't have a great bounce back game, which he did not, um, it's not so much about, you know, a lot of people Scheifele didn't do that. It's more about what does that say to Cal Connor? What does that say to, you know, the Appletons, the cops, everybody else. Now I'm not saying there's a riff or anything like that. There's not. But that's what I took from the losing streak when you asked me that question is it didn't have to happen in all six games or seven games that they lost. But in one or two games, you needed, and that Montreal one stands beside me. Nick Suzuki stepped up. And I like Nick <clears throat> Suzuki. But that was a game when it was 2 nothing or 3-1 or 3-2. Somebody needed to do something. Well, and, and I'm not think talking about, about dropping the gloves. I'm talking about getting a puck out laying a big hit or scoring a goal and it just it just kept going down i mean they they got that from trevor lewis i mean honestly if it was the first line that scored a couple of the goals and gave you the 3-1 lead it would have maybe been less painful but um anyways i mean we could talk about you know those i mean the monday game the friday game last week two real low points not to cut you off but that's a great point because i wonder these are the things that i wonder having covered teams and been in rooms What's that conversation after the game on the plane or in the, in the, on the way to a hotel? Hey, Trevor, you had a great game. I, mean, I have no doubt Mark said that. But does Mark not go, the guy stepped up. I need to step up. Kyle Connor not go, whoa. like that's. A, and I thought Kyle Connor after that game played pretty good against Ottawa and played pretty good against Calgary. And, and I know it's all about points of production, but this is a team that I tweeted out three weeks ago. It's either going to great that it's happening now or it's at, this is the beginning of the end. So, and I do think there's a lot of pressure on this team. I think over the next four games they have to play well. I'm not sure they got to win them all, but they have to go into the playoffs. And I think that, and everybody knows in this town, I defend Paul Maurice. I think he's a great coach. I really do. 
But he's on the hot seat, in my opinion. Like, if I'm GM general manager Kevin Cheveldayoff, if you lose in the first round again, and they might, there's some major pressure here. You have to make a decision here because you now have two years left on the Shifley contract, the Ehlers contract. That Do you bring back another coach, the same coach, or do you go, look, like this is three or four years. I think he gets one more year, but the leash is real short. But I think these next four games and what they do in the playoffs is very important because this core isn't going to be here forever. And, and they've made the line A trade. And I think that Pierre-Luc Dubois, whatever he does the rest of this year, he'll be fine going into next year. And they're just trying to figure him out this year. And I get that. But I've always said at the start of this season, you have a two to three year window here with your young guys, not young anymore, and your older core still producing well to do something. And when that those games started piling up, that's the most disappointing thing to me is they could have lost four of the seven and I would have been fine. They could have lost. If I saw something like the Ottawa game, that would have been different. Some of the things I saw from some of the key players on the team, it doesn't need the media or fans or anybody else. I wonder how they'd say to themselves coming out of that. And I thought, you know, the Calgary game was a fine example. I thought that's something I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night's game for the Connors, the Shifley's, what to go. You know, we got to win. There's some guys leading by example, Lewis, Lowry, everybody else. It's time for us to start making a difference and get on a roll. Yeah, Jim Toth with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you know, it is it, – it, listen, uh, you know, it's been a rough couple weeks, obviously, for the club, and they earned their spot in the standings up until that point. They've now clinched the playoff spot, and like we heard from Connor Hellebuck, I think it's time that, you know, they – they can't dwell on the last two and a half weeks, but as Maurice said earlier this week, I mean, there's the potential that this could be something that really helps the team going forward. And, you know, from a Jets fan perspective, you can just hope that that is the case because, you know, that sort of adversity, um, you know, will change a team one way or the other. And really it is how you react to it. They seem to have reacted quite well the last couple of games. They finally got a result. Um, but I think it's very important that they keep going. Um, and this game tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators, I think, is going to be another challenge for the Winnipeg Jets to try and maintain that level of play, that level of consistency, and continue ramping up uh, before they are going to be going up as underdogs against either Edmonton or Toronto in the first round. Jim, how let me it can help them. Sorry, just how it can help them in my mind is remember the three games in Toronto, and they took five or six points. And I think, you know, then things really started going. And before the seven-game losing streak, I think there were four points out of first and stuff. And then, I mean... Well, yeah, they had those two games the, against the Leafs. I mean, we were yeah. talking about a matchup for first place. And the words fat and sassy got thrown around a couple of years ago in Colorado by Adam Lowry, leader on the team. And I, I think that's what happened. So I think that's how this could help them. But, I mean, that's what I'm looking for these next four games. It might not mean much to the standings or to, uh, to fans, but... In my mind, it's, okay, this is what we saw against Calgary. He played really good against Ottawa and got goalied. It, you've got to continue this. You've got to go in, and I'm looking forward to the key players, the key veterans, to see what happens tomorrow and going the last three games. So, Jim, you had talked about how um, you believe that, that the importance of experience, and that's certainly something that Paul Maurice has said plenty of times during his time here in Winnipeg. Um, there's a young defenseman that doesn't have a lot of experience but he also brings to the table some things that the Jets need right now on the blue line. Um, you know, Billy Hanlon is going to be back in tomorrow after sitting out for the entire losing streak, come back in the team one, you know, people can judge how coincidental that is or not, but where are you at now on this other spot on the blue line? And, has Billy Hanela through this game and another opportunity tomorrow maybe played himself into the conversation of being a player for the Jets when the playoffs begin? 
I do. I, I think he has for sure. I don't know how you – and I, I think that's the other thing of these next four games. If he plays in the playoffs, like the ELC's burnt anyway, and, and uh, that's seven games in a 56-game season. So there's no worry about that because I think if they sit him just because of an ELC – Again, I think this organization understands they need to win. They need to win a round. They need to. They might not win the Stanley Cup this year, but they've got to stop, you know, getting knocked out. So, look, I like Billy Hainel, and I, I also like how the organization treats young players. And I know some fans, and I hear about it all the time too. Maurice hates young players. He doesn't. He played Patrick Line as a rookie. He played Nick Ehlers. One of my favorite quotes from Nick Ehlers a couple of years ago is when he had two goals in a third, and on a post game show, he said. I was awful the first two periods and had a lot of turnovers and Paul Maurice kept throwing me out there. So I'm glad I could reward him with a third like that. It's the matter of can they handle different situations? So I know fans want it right away and I know they want it now. I did raise an eyebrow on why when he did play, they won and then he didn't get to see the ice for a while. Um, but Jordy Ben comes in. I, I've said at the time of the trade, I don't think Jordy Ben's going to play a lot of playoff games, but I also think that when you bring in a veteran like that, you show him the respect, get him in a couple games. And I know fans think one game, but in Maurice's mind, it's three or four. But now that Hangel has played, I, I, I don't know, Huss. I mean, if I'm Paul Maurice, I play the lineup that gives me the best chance. What I think you could see a lot in the playoffs is six D-men play game one. They win, all six play well, six D-men play game two. Game two, one of you don't play well, there's another guy in there. Can you see if a scenario? You play, if you play well, you're in the next night. And I think that could be between Stanley and Ola. I, I really don't see how Ben is in the conversation. Do you? Uh, if, I mean, listen, if I was making the lineup, it would he would be probably eighth on that list. Um, but, again, he's played a lot more than Billy has over the last little while. Again, But I also know if it's the Oilers, if it's the Oilers – and you put Hainola out there, and it's negative two in a period against whoever, like what that does to a young player come playoff time. That's well, not going to happen with Jordan. Every Penn, single guy on the team, every guy on the team has big minuses against Edmonton. I mean, <laughs> like, like we're going to talk about minuses against Edmonton. I mean, we need to look no further but than Jordan that Penn top line. <laughs> in that 6-1 yeah. game against Edmonton, he was the only guy that was even. Yeah. So yeah, that, well, the that's, listen. Why, that's why Maurice likes experience. I'm not saying to play, Ben. I'm just saying I could see an honest – I don't see a scenario where they go into the playoffs, these are six D men, and that's it. I think if you – you know, depending on results, of course, everything else, I think in a in a first-round series of seven games, you could see three guys in a, uh, or three different sets of six. But if you're asking me if Enola should play, that's what the next four games are. If he plays like he did against Calgary, I think he should play. Yeah, it's going to be tough to take him out of the lineup. And that's the thing on Villy. He needs to play and and show that not only is he ready, but make it just too hard for Coach Paul Maurice to say, uh, you know what, kid, you're going back to the press box. Isn't that what happened? Like, Cheryl Dayoff came out and said he'd like to see him some more. He didn't play. He did play. Now look at what we hear today from Maurice. Like, I mean, how do you not play him again? So, I, and I think that's up to Billy too. And I, I'm not saying he can't do it. I think he can. I think the next four games, he really shows what he did against Calgary. How do you not play him? So, now Logan Stanley's interesting too, because Maurice will love the matchups. But is Edmonton a big physical team? I, I don't know about that. So, um, you know, you might get a Stanley in there too. But look, you know, Jordy Ben was brought in because we all know in playoffs, when the pressure comes in, a guy could have a great rookie season. And come playoff time, when it's magnified, 
they they fold a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to happen with Stanley or Hainola, but that's why Jordy Ben's here. That's why Nathan Beaulieu being out and he's here. Are they going to play Ben? Maybe not. Maybe they start the series. They they win it in six, and Ben, you never see Ben. But he's here in case one of those guys in a period just absolutely, you know, can't handle the, the pressure of playoffs. And and But, hey, I'm at a point with this team. You play your best players, and, and I understand the process. I know it's not fast enough for everybody else. But would everybody still be angry if Heinola plays against Calgary, plays the next three, plays in the playoffs, they win a round or two, and he plays well? Is everybody still going to go, he should have been playing? Well, no, it won't matter at that point. I mean, I think what, you know, and again, and I said, you know, a month and a half ago, folks, I mean, I know what the situation is right now is not necessarily what the situation is going to be at the end of the regular season. And that's exactly what's happening right now. I mean, I think they've realized some of their shortcomings. And listen, I, I get it. I think Paul Maurice is afraid that Billy Hanel is going to get killed in the playoffs. I mean, he's a very small defenseman. He doesn't have that experience. He hasn't played a lot at the NHL level. And I think they're worried that he would be overwhelmed. But to be perfectly honest, and again, the jury will be out as he plays more. Um, he has the poise of a 10-year veteran when he's out there. Um, yeah. You know, he gets the puck quickly. It's off his stick. And what really impressed me, Jim, against the Flames was his body positioning in the defensive zone. Yes. He was always on the yeah. right side of the guy in front of the net. He'd move a guy around. You know, you don't have to kill a guy in front. But you need to simply, you know, utilize your body properly. There was a couple times where he cleared a guy out. Connor Hellebuck saw the puck perfectly. There, bum, face off, gone. And those are those little things in addition to the ability to get the puck and turn it the other way that the Jets have needed on the blue line all season long. And if he continues to do that, I think that'll be a big, big benefit when he's on the ice for Winnipeg. Two points that I'll touch on right there is, you know, Marcin Pionk crushed against Calgary last year. And they weren't rookies. They absolutely yeah, exactly. got beat up. <laughs> Great point. So, so don't tell me that Billy, there's no chance Billy mm-hmm. Hinola is not going to come playoff time, mm-hmm. get hammered twice, and then sort of go, holy crap, my ribs are killing me, and these guys are coming again. So, But not saying, but those things happen. The other point I want to make is he reminds me, and I think some scouts when they draft him mentioned this, he reminds me of Scott Niedermeyer. And I knew Scott Niedermeyer from my days in the WHL, covering the Kootenai Ice in Cranbrook, B.C., and he would come in the offseason. I got to know him a little bit. He was a part owner of the team. I go, you ever work out? No. Like he'd run and hike and hunt and all this, but he never lifts weights. And, I, and, I, and then so then I would start asking people about how he played. And he was an all-star. And don't get me wrong. He's a Stanley Cup winner and everything else. I think they were – he was on – he went to Salt Lake City. That's when, you know, he was uh, on that Olympic team. But my point with him and Hainola is Scott Niedermeyer to this day is in the same shape as he was when he played. And it's all about positioning. How is he such a good defenseman? He's wicked smart. To use a Boston quote, he's wicked smart. He could get position on any big guy. And he played in an era where that was clear the front of the net. And how did he do it? Positioning. And that's what Billy Hainola reminds me of. I'm not saying he skates like Niedermeyer. He's going to put up points like Niedermeyer. But the way he defends angle-wise – and, and Maurice mentioned that after Calgary, how he can read the play and get into position where he might not rub a guy off the puck, but he's going to rub him off a lane or out of the play. Uh, I mean, he just reminds me of Niedermeyer. Not a big dude, can skate, not physically you know, heavy, forceful D-man, doesn't cross-check a lot. How does he defend? He's always in the proper position, and, and that's what he reminds me of. 
JT, this has been a lot of fun. Before we go, I have to ask you, we haven't spoke certainly on air since the NFL draft. How'd you feel about the Bears' big move up to take Justin Fields? I know you went to Royal and picked up that draft hat, so you're obviously quite fired up. But uh, in all seriousness, it is exciting for the Bears, considering the whiff on Trubisky and what that did to the franchise. A lot of hope that um, this uh, Ohio State product can be the next one for uh, and make Andy Dalton QB1 for a very short period of time. I went down to Royal and got the Bears draft hat and uh, didn't have to take a lot of convincing from Gerald to pick up the Bears masks to keep safe with. And that's how high I am on this. Uh, look, when the draft started, I, like I was high on Zach Wilson. I knew where Lawrence was going. I didn't know where Lance or, or um, uh, even Fields would go. But I thought, man, if the Bears could do a Trubisky and move up to number three and grab Zach Wilson, that'd be great. When he went at number two, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if they're going to move up because they might not get him. When they moved up to eleven. Um, I'm so glad it was him and not the kid out of Alabama. Uh, not to body shame the kid out of Alabama, but he's going to be me in 10 years if he doesn't get in more physical good condition. Uh, if you saw him walking around. Uh, hey, it worked for Brady. Job. That's why they compare him <laughs> yes, to Brady. He's not, true, not, a, not a physical specimen. And, uh, somewhere, Belichick somewhere doesn't care. It's good somewhere enough for him. He, and neither does he. Somewhere he's like, I don't care what this guy in Canada is saying. I know. Um, but I love the move. And the reason I loved it is when they moved up to 11, I'm like, oh, they're going to do it. I also love who they that old lineman they got in in the second round moving up. But here's what I like about Justin Fields: like I don't want to. Obviously, I'm a Bears fan, so it doesn't take a lot. I'm scarred. We've been burned by moving up and grabbing a, a draft pick. Um, so I actually, when it happened, it wasn't so much excitement but trepidation. I was like, uh oh, like did what? And then when they went Fields, I'm like, good. But um, some people you know in the CFL reached out right away. Uh, I, don't, I think I can throw up these names too. Ed Tate and uh, I checked with Sarah Lesky and they said he is going, he's not going to be good. He's going to be great. Um, and then I talked to a couple of other guys that cover the NFL, just texting them and stuff. And they said, look, all these quarterbacks are good. They're all going to have careers, but Justin Fields has some intangibles. If you believe in those. And I do um, that. He's going to be great. He's going to run an Aggie offense. If he's still around um, arm uh, being able to run, but he just, and Nagy talked about how tough he is. So, I got to be honest, I was trepidation. I was nervous that night. Um, but by the next day, when I read everything I could find and got some texts from some people who know football a lot more than I do, I'm pretty jacked about it. So um, I don't think he's going to start right away. But it, I also think that there's talking about coaches who have a short life. I, if Dalton struggles at all, and I mean, the great thing about it is, is he's mobile, Huss. And so... Uh, like they don't have a lot of weapons in Chicago still. Montgomery had a great last six weeks running the ball. They need to fix that old line, which they uh, tried to in the draft. But other than Allen Robinson, it's just some good average receivers. So that's another reason I like it. Like he's not coming into a dynamic situation like Mahomes in Kansas City. But um, from what everybody else who know way more about it than me, they think they said they're all going to be good quarterbacks. Justin Fields is going to be magnificent and great. So I'm pumped. JT, uh, it's been a lot of fun having you back on the program. People have been loving it. Um, the Earl of Eli said, great to see Jim back, and he's not wearing that stupid hat. Um, uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick, uh, Nick, DQ Nick's here. What up, what up Nick? He uh, has said, uh, hot take, Brandon Rewicki has better hair than Toth. I've been saying that take I, for I a long time. I would like to address time. that for a minute. Your brother, Dunk, because I watch every morning, if I don't, or every afternoon, if I don't, I try to catch it at night. But he nailed it the last time Ricky was on when he said it looks like he combed his hair with a pork chop. <laughs> I mean, he's, there's, look, the kid is blessed. Rewix is blessed. Don't get me wrong. I'm not envious. I'm not jealous. I'm happy 
he's been blessed with a great do. But you got to know what to do with it, eh? So, I mean, that sidewinder he had with you, I thought his head was going to lean yeah. over on this week. But it's a, it's a very, it's an aggressive up. look. It's aggressive look. Okay, give him a, give him a buzz sometime. But uh, hey, let's do this again real soon, buddy. Thanks, and uh, people loving having you on the program today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, always a pleasure, and congratulations on a hundred thousand. I mean, we've been uh, friends for a long time, and I, we've been chatting ever since for years. But I knew this was going to work. Us, you and Remus are doing a great job, and I uh, look forward to. it. Hey, dude, really appreciate that. And, uh, hey, and we'll do me forward. one last favor. It's Friday. Get get Hammer worked up. Like Get that angst that's coming out of him lately. <laughs> he looks like the Unabomber with that beard, so get him angry. I'll just fire him a bunch of recycled Kenny and Rennie takes and watch him go uh, go from there. <laughs> he was on fire. All right, all the best, everybody. Have a great weekend. Right, right on, JT. There's Jim Toth. Great stuff. Um, uh, always love having Jim on the program. And, hey, speaking of uh, Nick from DQ, um, mentioned earlier, it is Mother's Day. And um, if you haven't already, you still probably have time to get an amazing cake for a little Mother's Day celebration on the weekend, even if that party is probably going to be smaller than you would like. Um, all four locations for the Nick and Nikki DQ group, Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. Nick still got the two-for-five treat special going on after 8 o'clock. But, um, you know, we know the Northgate. They sell more cakes than anybody when it comes to Dairy Queen. So um, get on it. And if you want, send them a message on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. That's for all four. And uh, they can get you set up and uh, take care of mom on Sunday as mom deserves. Um, we mentioned to you Boston pizza has the uh, incredible selections of pies for the uh, pizza week. And uh, well, Jim's just down at Royal sports. He got the bears draft hat. I don't know if they have many left. We've had a lot of Winnipeg sports talk listeners jump on that. Uh, but it sounds like we're going to be able to do some things outside. Maybe not a lot inside right now. So get ready to get outside and dominate spring at Royal Sports. Bikes, fitness equipment, soccer, baseball, tons of disc golf equipment. It's all there right now. You can literally bang off all of your shopping with one visit to Royal Sports. 650 Rally and EK and 750 Pembina Highway. All right, let's get to it. We welcome in. It is hammer time, if it, you will, on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press joins us now. Hammer, great to see you and talk to you again as always. How are you this fine Friday afternoon? I uh, no, no, you're back. Yeah. You, know, you sound good right now. It was a good start, Jimmy, uh, comparing my beard to the Unabomber. But hey, I guess you can say whatever on, on air now. So whatever, here we go. Well, I, I will say this, and this is a little pulling back the curtain of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, but there is nobody that does a better makeover between testing beforehand and then coming on later than Jeff Hamilton. Um, and, I mean, listen, you always look good and very presentable, but um, you've got a bit of a Superman act going on there, just quickly jumping into the phone booth, spinning around a couple times, and then coming out looking like a million U.S. tax-free. That'll be good. Hey, you know what, Jeff? I, I think we're having a bit of a, del- a drag on this connection. Do me a favor. Just log out, cancel it, and then come back in. And I think it'll be better when we come back because we overlap Jim and Jeff. So if you could do that, Remo, if you want to just uh, give him a quick help out. While we uh, get Jeff back on, uh, mention a couple things. Cineboy Downs, we are less than two weeks away from the start of live racing as live racing returns to Cineboy Downs spectator-free Monday, May 17th 
with a first parade to post of 7.20 p.m. This season will again feature large wagering pools, setting up the chance for a big score. Watch and wager on Canada's largest legal horse wagering site, hpibet.com. It only takes a few minutes to open account, and you are off to the races. And you know, I'll save this uh, for a moment, but new beers from Little Brown Jug. Fill you in on those, uh, but let's get Hammer back into the program. Hammer, great stuff. Sorry, I figured we just kind of reset and get going. Yeah, you do look wonderful. Everyone's fired up to see you. Let's uh, get serious for a minute. We'll start off with the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listen, it's one win. Um, it certainly erases all the questions about going seven games uh, in a losing streak. Um, I think anyone that's watched the club would say, you know, they played better the last couple games, but I think we all realize there's a long, long ways to go um, and not a lot of time to do it. Where are you on the Jets coming out of the slump buster in Calgary going into this game tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators who uh, just have a couple games left and then will be on the golf course? Well, not in Ontario, but if they could. Well, I mean, I think I'm in a situation where, you know, the bleeding has stopped. So clearly they had, that was step one was to get out of this slide because you can't really be playing your best hockey if you're going to back into the, the playoffs. I still think there's an argument that the Jets will will still back into the playoffs. Now, if they can put a little bit of a run here, I think that certainly bodes well for their confidence and their psyche. They've been saying a lot of this, the, the, the right things, right? And I do think there's an element of truth to that and that I do think that they see more of the positives in their game rather than, than some of the glaring issues. But um, as far as confidence goes, I don't know how confident you can be if you're the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, fan-wise, I mean, as players, I, I think you do have to embrace the fact that the the postseason is a completely different season and anything can happen. But I just, you know, as I've said on shows before, I just I don't believe that we've seen enough to suggest that this team can go on a on a substantial run. Now, I mean, I think myself or anybody who has that opinion would be cool with them proving us wrong but it's just you know what we see is 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 a team that's struggling we see a team that you know it's not one area it's the defensive zone it's not scoring it's it's um it's it's the special teams and one game against a bad Calgary team isn't going to necessarily change that however you can flip the script here with these last four games you are playing against teams that are still battling Vancouver's not a great team as we've seen this year but they are still Mm -hmm. technically um, you know, technically, mathematically capable of making the playoffs. So, you know, they're going to at least give their best. And Ottawa, you know, I mean, Maurice made a comment the other day about us kind of not respecting Ottawa and them having more respect for them. And that's fine. I do think Ottawa has been impressive here. They're playing with a, a level of freedom um, because they're not in the playoffs and that there isn't a, a, a ton of pressure and they're playing for jobs and stuff like that. So they are playing a freer game and, um, you know, they have had success out of that so that they'll be a tough opponent too. So, you know, and obviously Toronto to end off the year. So it's not like, it's not like they won't be battle tested. It's just whether or not, they can do enough that suggests uh, any kind of fear in a potential first-round opponent in Edmonton or Toronto. Yeah, you know, there is a lot of things conspiring to stack up seven L's in a row. Um, and part of it, you know, was the scoring, as you mentioned. Things went pretty quiet. And then there was the special teams. And I, I think based on the season, I'm not too worried about the special teams. I kind of figured that that will sort of even itself out. Um, To me, when it comes down, and especially when we look ahead to whether it's a matchup against the Leafs or the Oilers, I mean, it's really pick your poison when you look at the star power coming at the Jets on that top line from either club is going to be the ability to sink or swim against those top players that will be playing huge minutes in postseason games Um, and, you know, doing it really at five on five. 
like, and this is the other thing, and this gets back to really the crux, and we talked about it a little bit with Jim earlier, about how important it is in these final four games at some point before game one of the playoffs is to get Mark Shifley back to Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor going as well. And I think they're sort of entwined. You know, if Shifley can get hot, I think that does big things for Kyle Connor because you know that Matthews is going to get his. You know that Connor McDavid is going to get his. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you're not going to be able to hang with those guys if your top players are not able to chip in as well. And Jeff, of course, you know, have the monumental challenge at times of going head to head in those matchups, which in the past this season have at times been quite unfavorable for Winnipeg. Yeah, and I mean, don't you find it interesting that you can't say Mark Shifley in the same sentence as you said those other guys? Like, I don't think there is a guarantee that Mark Shifley can get his in the playoffs because we haven't seen him driving. I think some of the comments Paul Maurice has made over the last couple of weeks have been quite telling um, in that, you know, he needs skilled wingers. He, need, You know, that's one comment Maurice made. He, he needs to have a certain, you know, chemistry on his line where, you know, you look at some of those other players you named and they're clear drivers on a line. And we just haven't seen that. It's a point I've been hammering. You know, I'm not trying to pick on Mark Shifley, but if Mark Shifley wants to be in the same conversation as the Austin Matthews and some of the other guys that you named, you need to carry that load. And we're just not seeing that from him. Now, you know, the offensive problems are, you know, not solely on, on Mark Shifley, as you mentioned, Kyle Connor hasn't been doing as much damage. And really, I mean, the goals have come from odd places. I mean, even Adam Lowry, a couple of goals, even Blake Wheeler scoring those goals, you know, he hasn't been the guy that you've leaned on for goals this year. Obviously, Trevor Lewis before that. So there is a bit of a funk here. And, and you know, maybe that is a bit of a wake up call that it's not going to be about pumping five, six, seven goals, you know, in every game. And you have to play a defensive effort. And I think that's probably where Mike Shifley is, is the least, um, you know, least capable is in his own, is, is in his own end. So I think this is going to be a very interesting playoffs depending on who the matchup is. Cause you know, either way, whether it's Toronto or Edmonton, you're going to have a skilled team. You're going to have mm-hmm. to be able to score. And so, you know, that, that puts a little bit more on coaching as far as like last changes and how Paul Maurice, first of all, plans to put his lines together and then how he plans to utilize them. Because as we've seen against Edmonton, um, you know, this just hasn't worked in the last six games. So uh, take Toronto. I mean, yes, they've had better luck against Toronto, but um, Toronto is going to be a team that is not going to be an easy out either. So you're going to have to figure something out. And it, and it certainly starts with, you know, may, maybe getting things going on offense, but overall the chemistry needs to be in check for sure come playoffs. Speaking of the lines, uh, we've got good news today from the coach that Nikolai Ehlers may be skating as early as tomorrow. It will be non-contact, but that would certainly indicate that their confidence and hope, hope that they talked about when he originally got injured um, will mean that he's back for the playoffs. Do you think Maurice starts game one with Connor Shifley, Wheeler, and then Stastny, Ehlers, Dubois, um, the Lowry line, and then Perot back to a familiar spot with Lewis and Thompson on the fourth line? Is, Is that sort of how you see things starting and then take it from there? Look, Paul Maurice, in my opinion, this is an observation. It's not something he's necessarily come out and said, but I just feel there's a a certain amount of comfort levels or, or certain things that, you know, trust levels, if you will, that he has for different players, right? I think that's why we see a lot of Jordy Ben, where maybe his play hasn't suggested or warranted him to be back in the lineup, is that he kind of knows what he gets out of certain players, and that's been a lineup that you mentioned, Huss, that has been kind of that, you know, almost kind of safety net, if you will, and getting, trying to get a guy like Blake Wheeler going, because, you know, Blake Wheeler is essentially the, the the pulse of this team. So if, if he's not having a good time, if he's not producing, it you know, 
know, I believe it has a trickling effect to the entire club. So a lot of that moves, I think, are, are to make sure that those guys are going, both Blake and Mark, and we've seen success from them, not in the defensive zone, obviously, but we've seen some success in the offensive zone. Um, and maybe, again, just some continuity there um, and a safe place. So whether that, you know, obviously with Nick Ehlers being back, uh, he'll go on that line and, and Perot would be bumped down for sure. So, you know, at the end of the day, though, I think it's it's quite telling where the Jets are. And if you want to talk about concerns, I think, we, you know, we're kind of, hit, you know, potentially in a repeat here in the sense that the Jets are one or two injuries away from being somewhat easy to beat. So, you know, we saw that without Lowry and, and Ehlers in this in that seven game stretch. We saw uh, we saw that in uh, last year's playoffs with the loss of Patrick Liney and Mark Shifley. And of course, Mason Appleton was part of that group, but Mason Appleton wasn't the Mason Appleton today that, he, you know, back then. So, um, you know, I, I just feel like the depth might be an issue here. So, you know, whether those line combinations um, stay intact or not, I feel like an even bigger precedent is, is to stay healthy here as, as this uh, as this hunt goes on. Hammer, let's talk about the blue line. Um, interesting to see Vili Hanela finally get into the lineup. And just uh, just like the last time he was in the lineup, the team won. Um, you know, he uh, I thought he was great uh, against the Calgary Flames. I mean, he did all the little things that you want your defenseman to do. I thought his body positioning was excellent. Maurice talked about the gap in the offensive zone. I mean, he certainly did enough to stay in the lineup. And I think maybe... Maybe for the first time this season, I think maybe Paul Maurice is seeing that, you know, this young man, while, yes, he's not huge, there's the chance that, you know, there is a, a physical element that, you know, maybe put him at a disadvantage in the playoffs. He just does some things that the Winnipeg Jets really need on the blue line. Where are you at with uh, with Hanela? What do you make of the fact that he's returning to the lineup tomorrow night against Ottawa? Coach says he needs to play some games. There's only four games left. Um, has he done enough in a very short period of time to be in the conversation to be one of the players that hit the ice in the playoffs when things get going? You know, I think that's a tough question. I'll switch it. I mean, I'll answer the question, has he done enough? I don't think he's had the opportunity to necessarily prove he's that he's done enough. What we've seen in him, in him in the few games that he has played, I'll completely agree with you. He feel, you know, I mean, some of those games have been sheltered in minutes and maybe against opponents, but he has shown a composure that is well beyond his age, whether that's playing, you know, playing in the Finnish elite leagues with, with grown men or not or whatever, but he, you know, he seems comfortable there. He's obviously played well with the Moose, which is a much different game than playing in the NHL, but he has that composure. And, you know, the, the question I flip is, has, has the Jets defense members of, of that top six or seven that have played ahead of him, have they done enough to stay? in the lineup because not only has the defensive zone been a disaster and it's not just on the the defense it's been the whole team defense uh what about the transition game it's embarrassing in fact it's non-existent it's uh Compared to the other teams in this division, the Jets don't generate between the blue lines. They don't have speed. And obviously a big part of that is 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 losing Nick Ehlers. And that might just be hiding or hiding what was major issues before. Because as we've seen with Nick, it's usually, you know, wound up in his own end and he and he's going through and he's creating some magic. So if Billy Hainala is capable of hitting a guy on the seam in transition, yeah, he deserves to be in the lineup. And until the Jets are <laughs> capable of getting a transition game, they're gonna get eaten alive in the playoffs, particularly against two teams that are significantly better at them. So whether or not he's old enough, experienced enough, whatever it is, I'd like to see some from something from the other guys that suggest that they should be kept in the lineup rather than starting to ask the question if Vili Hano should be in it. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? There's a question of old enough, experienced enough, all that. I think that needs to get trumped by being good enough. (laughs) And and we've seen it so far. Let me ask you this, because I'll be interested in your perspective on this. Now, this could be a – I've told you how impressed I was with Hanela. It was great to see him back in the lineup, and I thought he did. Everything that I was looking for, he did. Um, And that's exciting from a uh, a Jets standpoint. I left the game after watching him playing with Dylan DeMello thinking not only may he be in the lineup, but if Maurice is going to run Pionk with Morrissey, I'll be honest. Is this crazy that at some point come playoff time, we could see that Hanela DeMello pairing actually playing ahead of Forbert and Pullman um, going up against the Oilers or or the Leafs. I, I just think the poise is there. And I think that, you know, the more that he plays, there'll be a situation where you realize that you're probably better off with those guys on the ice, especially if he's playing with Dylan DeMello. Yeah, I mean, sometimes playing smarter is better than playing harder. So to me, yeah, I mean, can, can that be a possibility? I think if the Jets are going to do a deep run in the playoffs, that should be the possibility. I think that will be, uh, you know, I think that's like if you're playing – you know, Forbert and Pullman over those two guys, then yeah, you're probably out in the first round. So, I mean, to me, absolutely. I mean, Billy Hainel, again, like it's, I feel like some of this opportunity has been botched as he hasn't had, you know, a lot, a, a long leash. So some other points made, whether it was Jim before this or just points in general that have been made that, you know, it's a bigger game. You know, he hasn't had the kind of experience. You need that experience. Of course you need the experience in the lineup. And I think particularly with this team. I think this team, as much as they say the right things, they're pretty fragile. I mean, you don't go on a seven-game losing streak at the end of a season if you don't have an inability to kind of grasp and understand the magnitude of the situation or if things become too overwhelming. We've watched as that, like, and I just don't buy this whole, like, the last three games have been great. Yeah, they've been low scoring, so you haven't had maybe as many mistakes, but there's been some glaring issues and some non-existent play. Like even that Montreal game that seemed to be the, you know, the start of a, of a turnaround, if you will, was just ugly. I mean, it was horrendous. All five goals were self-inflicted. Um, the play start you know, of a turnaround to me, that was the most depressing one of the, like as bad as the game on Monday was against absolutely. Edmonton. I felt, oh, I, mean, I felt way worse after the Friday game. You, you get two from Trevor Lewis, you're well, up two in the third, in the second What about period. the Ottawa 2-1 game? It was like a hell of a game. Like what, what, what about that was a hell of a game. You allowed a shorthanded goal. You scored one goal on Ottawa and you were chasing the game pretty much the entire time until the, they, they took advantage of one of your mistakes and, and, and went, and you know, and classic lost it in the end like to me it's it's like it's the same reoccurring themes I just you know I I don't even quite know what the question is anymore but at at the end of the day I mean you start half like these allegiances or these whatever these you know the the thought process that goes into it it's not working so you know I I think that you know maybe there's some guys that are a bit too comfortable in this and that maybe there needs to be a guy like Billy Hamill inserted in the lineup and and given that kind of fresh blood because as he mentioned today he hasn't played a ton of games I don't understand why some of those guys like Derek Forbert don't get a break you know what I mean like those guys look slow like I mean are we going with what they were doing earlier in the season because yes I will agree and I think I even wrote and said it was that the defense looked good or better than what they were expected to be. And they were, you know, whether that was being hidden by Connor Hellebuck's play or not, they were still generating wins under this defense. And now we see at the end of a, a, a season, the, what se- cl- seems to clearly be 
you know, an, you know, an issue with fatigue and energy and stuff because nobody is playing positional hockey in the defensive zone. The defense are going all over the place. The body language is bad and you're not picking up guys in front of the net, which suggests to me that some of these guys are being asked to do too much. And the wear and tear is, is, is getting to a situation where a fresh blood like Billy Hanala is, is, you know, right for the picking. Well, I mean, I, I agree. And, and, and full disclosure, I mean, I think that Derek Forward has been, you know, one of the, some of the best money the Jets spent this year. I mean, to think that he came in on a one-year deal at, what, a million bucks and ended up playing, you know, upwards of 20 minutes on a lot of nights alongside Neil Pionk. I mean, it was a great signing. He's done a lot of things for the club. And, you know, listen, I think Tucker Pullman has had some ups and downs this season, uh, but there have been some times where I really think that he's done well, well too. But um, neither of the guys, especially over the course of the last month, I think have played the way that they are absolutely untouchable and irreplaceable in the lineup. And, you know, as I said, Hale is a different sort of player. He brings some different things. And that's why I think the potential of him playing with DeMello and playing more is there maybe as opposed to some of the other guys in the mix for that sixth spot. But let me ask you this. Do you, can you see any scenario outside of injury where Hanela and Logan Stanley would be in the lineup in playoffs? I don't. Like I just don't. I mean, it's 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 kind of that competing spot at, at the bottom, and and I mean things change. Maybe if there's some like if Billy Hainala, for instance, is in that top six and he becomes so good, and some player isn't playing well, that maybe they play themselves out of the lineup. I just feel like I mean, the, just the fact that it's taken this much time and circumstance and and you know whatever you want to call it to get guys like Billy Hainala into the lineup suggests that these guys have a fairly long leash right that this is the group that got them there and that that kind of comes back to polit like hockey politics to me I feel like that's kind of maybe it's one of Paul Maurice's downsides is that like that 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 kind of allegiance or that loyalty to guys that got you there when in fact it could burn you in, in the in the end and so I don't know there just seems to be like you know this is the confidence we give you we want you to know that you're safe and protected and whatnot. And, and, and you know, I, I just feel like that kind of attitude, if, if that is the case, and, you know, maybe I should be careful because I'm not a mind reader, but I feel like that's going to be the demise. Or, 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 as you mentioned, Huss, like something drastic is going to have to happen, whether it be injuries or horrendous play or getting, you know, your ass kicked in the playoffs to actually shake things up. So, I mean, I guess it's wait and see. And there's still this four games, right? We might have a different opinion if this defense can figure it out here over these next four. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, it's going to be the Leafs or the Oilers. Um, you know, I've been asked a number of times this week, you know, what's a better matchup for the Jets? And I mean, I kind of feel it on paper. I think it's the Oilers. And I think that they are a far less deep team than the Leafs. Um, I mean, you know, they both got superstar elite talent. You know, Mike Smith probably has been the best goalie of all the goalies on either of either club. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at what's happened head to head between these teams, especially in the last what six meetings, and it's ugly for Winnipeg. Do you have a lean on a better matchup, a more favorable matchup at this point for Winnipeg, Edmonton, or Toronto? I don't. Uh, I guess I do, but I, you know, I, I honestly think Toronto's the better fit. I, 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 you know, like, and I think it's one of those things that maybe things are more personal against Toronto, despite getting your butt kicked that many games. I just, I'm left with this feeling. And I asked the question after that, you know, that I, what was it? Six straight loss against Edmonton was like, how do you feel? How do you lose six games in a row 
to a team and expect to beat them four in a row. So, you know, just looking at the win-loss and your records this season and, and how the Jets have fared against Toronto versus Edmonton, I just, I just, I tend to think that that's the better grouping. Now, I, I also do think it's, you know, considered a pick your poison because I wasn't all that impressed with Edmonton kind of early on in the year, but they've, they're an example of a team that's figured it out. Like they, they are playing cohesive hockey. They're playing, you know, almost kind of like soccer on the ice with the support that they have and, 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 and the passing that they have and, and just, they're all on the same page. So, you know, whether you want to pick, whether you think it's more dangerous to have a, a deeper, deeper lineup, like maybe Toronto has, I mean, you got to remember, obviously Connor McDavid and, and uh, Leon Dreisaitl, two of the best players in the league also play for Edmonton. So that's, that's not exactly an easy case either. I just, I don't know. I, and, and to be quite frank, I just, I don't see which one's more ideal because I don't know which one I'd be more convinced that the Jets could beat. Hammer, how are you feeling about Hellebuck right now? I think he's the most positive thing on the team. You know, like I think that sh- that shutout was a big one for him. He won't admit it, but you know, he did go through, you know, a, a tough stretch there. Now this is something that he's been capable. Like, you know, I think he's mentally strong. I mean, people kind of give him a few digs after, you know, his post game interviews. I, I don't tend to join in those, those kind of conversations because I think this is a guy who, you know, he's a level headed guy. He's not sitting, you know, he's, he's been probably taught over and over and over again through sports psychologists. Cause as we know, goalies, it is a very, you know, lonely position and, and challenging position mentally that, you know, he's not going to sit there and say, oh, this isn't working or this isn't working or whatnot. He is going to focus on the positive because there's absolutely no benefit for him to come out and say, oh, that was a crappy game and, and to, you know, toss on him more than everybody else will or has. So, you know, I, I have no issue with his game. I mean, there have been some holes in it here and that's been a byproduct of maybe being overworked. I think this last little break here, you know, whether the Jets want to admit it or not, worked out for Connor Hellebuck because he would play 56 games in a season but the reality is you can't play 56 games in a season so the fact that up until last week he had had the most starts in the NHL and faced the most shots and uh and you know allowed the most goals to me suggested he was being overworked so you know getting you know he'd be of my least concerns as far as getting things right but I still thought I still thought over the last couple weeks maybe some load management would have been important to him but that shutout I think reinforced that he's ready to go here for the playoffs yeah and it was it was fun you know listening to him afterwards I mean I mean, he he says, and listen, there's nothing contrived or manufactured from Connor Hellebuck in, as opposed to probably the majority of other NHL players. And, you know, having a guy that really is, he is a leader on the team. I mean, you know, I know goalies are weird and they're different and he's right there at the front of that line when it comes to the goalie union. Um, however, um, you know, he is the, the you know, the, the sort of a player that I think his confidence <laughs> Um, when he is on, has effects on everybody else. And now sometimes we, we may say, yeah, we've seen that. And sometimes the way the Jets have played in front of him defensively, they're that confident in him. Um, that totally. being said, we've seen what's happened over the last couple of weeks. I think they know what they need to work on. And if they can do that and get top level grade A Connor Hellebuck performances, um, even with the results they've had against Edmonton or Toronto, if you have that to begin with, Mix in a couple goals, you will have a chance to win. 
Well, yeah, if you can, if you can rely on your goalie and figure out one or two other things that aren't working, whether that be special teams, whether that be your transition game, then yeah, you'll have a shot in the playoffs. The reality is a goalie can make or break a series. So if you have confidence in him and I, and I, I'd, I'd also go as far as to say Laurent Brossois has proven to be a reliable backup. So then in the event, something does go sideways, you have the confidence in him as well. I mean, he, if you look at his games, you know, he had a, obviously a, a really hot start where he was collecting victories. Um, well, the Jets were, cl- well, we're collecting wins at the time. And then if you look at his last games, maybe he hasn't had the results, but he certainly hasn't had the goal support um, in his last four or five starts. So this is a guy who, who is reliable at backup, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. With Connor Hellebuck between the pipes, you know, although I think some people, you know, will will we'll disagree with his, um, you know, I've gotten emails about, you know, he's not the best goalie in the world. He's not considered, well, okay, whatever. Um, neither is the people in front of him. So, you know, for me, he's the least of your concerns. The goal tending is the least of, of this team's concerns and will ultimately probably have to be leaned on heavily um, for them to be successful here. Jeff Hamilton with us here. Hey, just away from the Jets for a minute. Um, what did you make of all the... Uh the craziness around Madison Square Garden this weekend, both on the ice as well as in the Rangers front office after that uh, amazing, expensive tweet from the Rangers account. Uh, Way into this one. eh? I feel like this is a lose-lose. But um, yeah, you know what? I thought that, you know, like James Dolan doesn't exactly have the greatest reputation as as an owner. I thought that the whole kind of, you know, there's, you know, I understand the frustration with the, you know, Department of Player Safety. You know, I don't quite understand the threats, particularly from an organization who's kind of been the laughing stock, particularly this year, and hasn't exactly done their share of goodwill to start, you know, having the troops rally around them. So I thought that was kind of ironic. As far as like the Tom Wilson stuff, I mean, to me, because he's a repeat offender, um, because, you know, some of those optics were not good. I mean, I, I think it would have been the prudent thing to sit him out for a game you know what I mean and 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 because of the circumstances this year because they were going to have a rematch you knew what transpired um you knew what transpired the game that game was gonna or in the second game was gonna happen with Tom Wilson there you knew that the Rangers were being called out for their inability to to you know to you know if you challenge a team's integrity essentially that they're not capable of sticking up for them well guess what you're gonna you're gonna get 31 teams that are going to respond exactly the way uh, New York did. So, you know, but I think what's most interesting and perhaps what's been lost in all this conversation is, is let's be clear about something. This isn't George Peros's personal opinion. Okay. This is, this is a lawn, a line drawn in the sand by the NHL led by the players. The players do not want Tom Wilson suspended. They do not, you know, the, the, the $5,000 fine, you can joke about how he made that much money while he was in the penalty box. The players want what happened. Now, they don't want the bad results to happen. They don't want guys getting hurt. But if you were to pull players in the NHL right now about, about you know, a guy like, you know, Artemi Panarin, who is getting paid massive amount of money to be a scorer, but turns into a fighter and jumps into a ring with with the rest of them and gets tossed away, they're going to tell you, nine out of ten players are going to tell you that that guy deserves to be thrown out of that. I mean, and, and, you know, and and again, I'm not here to... And and by the way, that's insane. Let me just just say, like, you know, he's on top of Butchnevich, punching him as he's face down on the ice. 
I mean, if he just well, so stood that, there so and did like was, grab him something, then he's soft, and then he doesn't care about his teammates. Well, no, and it's exactly, a no-win exactly. situation. So I'm just—I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm telling you what exactly the NHL did by by not giving him a suspension. It was set. Yeah. You were you drew a line in the sand. There. Now I'm not I'm not saying Tom Wilson's actions were legit. I think I think that guy needs to you know seriously look in the mirror and and change who he wants to be as a, as a player, because you know, the reality is this game's a violent game. Okay. People watch this game for the skill, but like football, they also watch it for that kind of hard hitting and, and, you know, aggressive manner. I mean, go to a, if you ever been to a jets game, listen for a little bit, people are, people yell certain things. They ain't cheering the tic-tac-toe passes. They're, they're cheering the guy who crushed the other guy and, and whatnot. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So uh, the reality is, is that's sports, that's professional sports. And, and, you know, as for his actions, specifically, Specifically, I don't agree. I don't condone that those punches on the ice. I don't do all those things. But when I see people and I read something the other day that said Tom Wilson should be in jail. I mean, that guy got up and started going into the scrum after being punched on the ground. Now, again, not not excusing Tom Wilson's actions. But just the whole thing is to me is just like, you know, we see this happen a lot of times. At the end of the day, you need to patrol the game. And so you not suspending Tom Wilson for that game, you asked for everything that you got that follow-up game, and you and, and and at the same time drew a line in the sand. You know, you know, my other takeaway that I don't think many people have talked about, and it kind of starts with that scene with Panarin, and I, I swear, I mean, that was an inch away from being absolutely horrible. I mean, his oh, yeah. head was so close, and I mean, at that speed with that amount of strength from Tom Wilson, it could have been really really bad and then you know I saw last night with um Darnell Nurse and McEwen on Vancouver um there's been like some near near misses this week of guys losing their helmets getting smashed to the ice and to be honest with you I just think that they're fortunate that they haven't had anything that frankly is getting more headlines for some really serious reasons Jeff so I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement and and and, and is, is that is that the world we live in now where something absolutely bananas needs to happen something irreversible potentially to someone's career or someone's life that that's when we start kind of you know going down so again like i'm not i'm not i'm not suggesting tom wilson's actions were justified or that the league got it right no one gives a a crap what jeff hamilton thinks in the nhl you know so uh, at the end of the day my opinion is is moot but i i do think there's some ownership that needs to come from, and this isn't splitting blame, but from the situation from the Department of Player Safety and from the players in general, that we have a more respectful game. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to respecting the sport. And those actions that Tom Wilson did were a direct uh, sign against respecting and, and, and the integrity of the NHL. Jeff, there will be a time very soon where hopefully very soon that we'll be able to do these together in the same spot. And when we're finished, we can cheers each other and I will have a little Brown jug for you ready to go. As soon as we're done the interview. Yeah. Great. Then I'll have to wear pants for those interviews. (laughs) A small price to pay for the little Brown jug. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I definitely look forward to those days, Huss. Hey, buddy, really appreciate you joining me. Have an awesome weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to talking soon as this team heads to the playoffs. Right on, man. Have a great one. Thanks for having me on. stuff. At Jeff K. Hamilton. Read all of his work in the Winnipeg Free Press. There is Jeff Hamilton. And as I mentioned, going out, our great new sponsors, our official beer, Little Brown Jug, has two new recently released beers for you to get 
this weekend, just in time for the warmer weather. Here's the summer lager. Beautiful red can, zeros on the front. It sports floral, lemon, and berry aromas. Light gold in color and has a clean and crisp finish. Perfect for a round of golf, hanging out at the lake, or working in the garden on a hot day. And then the little brown jug Hefeweizen is the newest brew. And it's picking up a little bit of the can on the green screen, but I think you know what I'm. Uh, what you've got here. Another beautiful can. Uh, it's a hazy German wheat beer with notes of banana, clove, and bread. Brings you tropical flavors and a creamy mouthfeel using only traditional ingredients. No sugar or fruit were harmed in the making of this beer. You can find both brews on the online store for home delivery. Check out that home delivery service that Little Brown Jug has going as well. Or pick up inside of the Good Times Variety Pack that you can find at your nearest liquor mart or beer store. And if you go to littlebrownjug.ca, of course it is Mother's Day, probably still have some stock of the incredible Mother's Day package they put together with Matola Grocery. So uh, get make mom happy, make yourself happy with our friends at Little Brown Jug online, littlebrownjug.ca. Um, listen, for our friends at Breezy Bend, our golf sponsor, let's check out what's going on at the Wells Fargo Championship right now. Uh, Matt Wallace, three-way tie for first, along with, oh my guy, Gary Woodland and Patrick Rogers. No Phil Mickelson, but wow, what a round Phil had yesterday. He was the first-round leader at seven under. Wasn't as good today. Four over for his round. So Phil, still tied for 11th, though, at three under par. Rory McIlroy sighting in the top 10. Rory went five under today after an opening round one over. He's four under par, tied for sixth place right now. Uh, Roger Sloan, Canadian, is tied for 17th at two under par right now. He was seven under today after a 76 in the first round. Wow, hot uh, 64. Abe answer there. Couple more Canadians. Minus one right now, Nick Taylor and Corey Connors tied for 30th. Of course, all of our golf reports brought to you by Breezy Bend Country Club. Find out more on breezybend.ca and uh, maybe think about joining the club and getting on the waiting list for next year as um, a lot of people golf in this summer. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, uh, pretty fun hour chatting with Jim Toth, Jeff Hamilton, lots of Jets talk and uh, lots to get to ahead of tomorrow's game against the Ottawa Senators with just four to go at home for the Winnipeg Jets before Edmonton or Toronto. Yeah, great chatting with Jim and Jeff, uh, Double J, bringing the fire takes, both of them. So uh, that was awesome. A lot of people in chat have... Uh, for those listening on the podcast, Hustler's holding up the beers, and I guess one of them has some green in it. And a see-through beer. <laughs> yeah. Low yes, calories. I have to say, I mean, I've been impressed with a bunch of the things from Little Brown Jug over the past week since we've been working with them and had them on board. I can't get over how beautiful these cans are. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, sometimes, as much as I want to drink them, they Zombo. look so good. You almost just want to have them as, like, de- decorative, if you will. That's I mean, right. the 1919 can is great, but these new ones coming out, and that's, I think, when, you know, like, with all the little brewers, I mean, I imagine the cost of packaging is significant, but, man, when you have cans like this in that industry, it just totally elevates your product from so many of the other ones that, you know, are, you know, just snapping labels on uh, on silver cans, even if the product's great. Yeah, I'm a big uh, craft beer guy. Check me out on the Untapped app where you can uh, – Untapped app where you can uh, – it's a beer social media house. You can go rate and review all your favorite beers, but – I like to go and I just pick the ones with the best label, if it's a kind I like. Or same with, like, wine. You just pick the one with a, with a good name. 
Because like, who really cares, right? <laughs> much like much like our uh, horse racing picks when we get going exactly. for the way downs coming up. Good yes. name, good number. That post position, fire, fire take, the trigger on that. Just take the one with the best name. Who cares about uh, about the stats or what it tastes like? <laughs> anything. Joe from Winnipeg, have six more and they'll be gorgeous. Well, <laughs> that's a great point. No, there will be some little brown jugs in the future uh, coming up this weekend. I guess the big question is to, you know, whether our restaurants will still be open, what's going to happen with patio dining, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, the Friday news dump is coming. Apparently more restrictions coming up at 6 p.m. today. Can't say I'm very excited for that. Um, Remo, a couple other things. Did you see this Edmonton-Vancouver game last night? You know, Koskinen, who had actually played very well over his last 10 games, despite Mike Smith getting the, you know, the majority of the starts. I think he had like a 933 over his last 10 starts. He goes in and for the first time in an NHL game since 1989, lets in the first four shots. Four shots against, four goals allowed, and a save percentage of Barry O. Zero. Um, not a great night for Koskinen, and uh, but he certainly did. Uh, he gets a ten for the tantrum afterwards with the stick smashing. Once he actually let that final goal in and knew he was getting pulled. Yeah, I thought Edmonton was going to take that one. Uh, alas, when you don't get the goaltending, it's not going to go well. But lucky for the Oilers, uh, Koskinen doesn't seem to be the starter. Mike Smith's been awesome. Uh, we've seen it firsthand against the Jets the last uh, six yeah. times that they've played. So, um, you know, just makes that that contract that he signed. I mean, we were laughing at the time. It is uh, it is not a great deal the Koskinen one. So, but that's pretty bad. I mean, you don't expect a goalie to give up what four goals on four shots? Is that is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, for, for the first four shots, zero yeah. save percentage. Wasn't like it was four shots in the <laughs> middle of the game, like four straight <laughs> shots. It was to start the game. Talk about not getting being ready. Um, the funny thing about it was is that this was almost a perfect storm for Connor McDavid. And, you know, when you have a lead like that, you know that there's going to be some offensive chances going the other way. and Maybe the team will ease up a little bit just trying to protect the lead. Well, I tweeted this out yesterday for our Cool Bet Lines ream that Connor McDavid over one and a half points was minus 143. That is the lowest number for a, an odd like that on two-point game that I've ever seen, and we probably will see for a long, long time. And it was plus 290 for three points, and wouldn't you know it, he did it again, uh, was close to notching four points, which would have paid out more than eight to one. Um, but, Remo, the big question now is, does Connor McDavid get to 100 points? Does he do it on Saturday? Do they have to wait till Monday? How quickly will he do it, and should we keep on hammering these over props on Connor McDavid until 100 is hit? Yeah, he needs five more points. So it seems like I think there's like 70% chance he does it. That might even be low. I saw some people tweeting out some analytics. Uh, I had Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl locked on on DraftKings last night. Unfortunately, my secondary stack of uh, the Islanders against the Devils did not pan out for me. So uh, the yeah, Islanders they, have they lost, lost three in a row to Buffalo and New Jersey. That's they bad. were in first pretty much most of this year. They've now dropped a fourth in their division, and it doesn't look like they'll be catching anybody and will be the fourth place team. They're going to be on the road up against first place, likely Pittsburgh, potentially Boston or Washington. That'll all be uh, be figured out coming up uh, over the course of these next few days. Um, and the other, you know, the other interesting thing, Reem, checking out the standings today. 
uh, if people haven't been paying attention, I know we've just kind of always assumed that at the end of the season, it'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're kind of standing. That is not the case. The Carolina Hurricanes need one point, or I guess they need a win in one of their final two games to clinch first place. And what that will mean for the playoffs dream is a first round matchup, the battle of Florida between the lightning and the Panthers that have had a great season this year, led by Joel Quenville. Yeah. I was very high on Carolina last year in the playoffs. Um, Their problem was goaltending. I know just, they don't have that grade a, you know, top flight starter, but the rest of the team, very good. Maybe the, the, you know, best well-coached team in the league by Rod Brindamar always has them ready. So if Carolina gets Nashville in the first round, um, I definitely like Carolina. Tampa, I saw Stamco says he's practicing. Uh, he hopes to be ready for the first game of the playoffs. We know he missed the entire, you know, playoffs last year except for, what, that one one game he played where he scored a goal in that yeah. game in the <laughs> cup final. Uh, it was pretty incredible. So Battle of Florida, I don't know if that'll do the ratings at a uh, Montreal-Toronto series that everyone is hoping for, but Battle of Florida, sure, let's uh, let's go with that. Well, and it does look like that Montreal-Toronto series probably will happen, um, you know, with, that late, with the latest loss by the Habs. They're now 57 points with 53 games. Jets are up by two, have an extra game to play, and have the tiebreaker, Reem, so... I think it's more and more likely that, you know, especially if the Jets can get a win tomorrow, that, you know, we'll pretty much be locked and loaded setting up Winnipeg-Edmonton for about a week before the playoffs begin. Yeah, some people are starting to get very upset about the Jets. If they they lose and we don't get a (laughs) Toronto-Montreal first round, oh, man. But uh, it seems like... How's a Winnipeg-Montreal second round sound? Do you think the do you think the TV execs would be upset that they're missing the uh, long-awaited Matthews McDavid playoff showdown? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of I'm kind of curious. Maybe the Jets can spoil that party. Um, all you need to do is get in. You need Hellbuck to get hot, and uh, hopefully, uh, I liked your conversation earlier saying, "Hey, like, you know, and during that losing streak, Trevor Lewis was scoring goals. You were getting goals from the bottom guys. Where was where's Connor been? Where's Shifley been? Where's Dubois been?" They do need more from those guys, and you hope you do get that. We've seen, you know, Shifley have a big playoffs as he did, you know, in 2018. Dubois as well last year. So we'll wait and we'll wait and see uh, what happens. But they clinched. They're going to be there. We had the party last yep. you know, yesterday. We the pom poms bro- came out. The pom poms. The whiteout. The whiteout jerseys. Yeah. The whiteout sweaters. Everyone's I, everyone's I getting you know a big run on oxyclean ream right now as yeah. people prepare for the playoffs. Yeah, make sure you get it while you can because there's going to be some new restrictions at 6 yeah, o'clock. Somebody, somebody popped in and said, sorry, they were late. They were just out uh, hoarding toilet paper. Yeah. So thanks to whoever was hoarding the TP. Yeah, hopefully OxyClean makes the uh, essential list because uh, we could be going back there. We'll, we'll wait and see. If you're listening to us on the po- podcast, uh, this is before the uh, restrictions come out. Joe from Winnipeg asking, guys, uh, how's True North going to do a socially distanced whiteout party oh. at the Forks? Uh, yeah, dude, that, don't hold your breath on that. We had 500 new COVID cases today. They're putting in more restrictions right now at 6 p.m. I have a feeling the uh, the whiteout parties will be socially distanced at home with mm-hmm. people in your household um, but then, real maybe people just take it to social media. Maybe that's what it'll be. It'll be some hashtags, and everyone will be doing their own thing, supporting the team in their whites. And uh, and again, if you don't t- 
tweet or put it on Instagram, did it really happen? So that that's I think where everyone will be taking their whiteout celebrations. Yeah, to. we'll be maybe we'll do something here. I did see the Jets us want everyone to uh, film a video of themselves cheering, and you know maybe they'll play it in the locker room or on the way out or use it in the arena. So I don't know, Huss, are you going to put on your Jets gear and film a video of you cheering so the Jets can make it into a GIF? Uh, a gif. <laughs> a gif yeah. I mean, listen, we could make some good gifts. I don't know if it would be me just cheering, but if we wanted to do some good reaction or, I mean, listen, the bar was it, raised incredibly high for Winnipeg Jets Twitter related gifts this week on this program with Ken Weeb's reaction to the firing of John Davidson and Jeff Gordon live on WST. I'm really close to making a gif of Jim Toth, like, slicking his hair back like this. I don't know if you saw it. When he was on full screen, there was a part where Jim was just running his hands through his hair. Uh, It was looking real nice today. I know hopefully you know, people uh, can appreciate that because he was wearing a hat last time. But I'm like, oh, man, I could totally gift that. But I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to put pressure on these guys and use them all over social media like that. I know I saw a lot of people <laughs> retweeting Ken. That got a lot of views. Oh, that was uh, that was unbelievable. You know, you should maybe you know, you know do something cute with Evan. That will get tons of likes, I'm, tons of shares. I don't really post my son. Uh, yeah, he's twenty-two months or something. Yeah, well, I months. know you don't. I'm saying you, you're start, all about the likes. You're all about the shares. You got to use your kid for good. I got to start using him to get more social media <laughs> following. Absolutely. Like, why would even would I even have a kid if I can't use him? <laughs> do you have likes? a kid if they don't appear on social media? Yeah, I mean, well, how does anyone know? How do I have a kid? I got to teach him um, <laughs> to say all the Winnipeg Jets players and then post oh, that yeah. as a real. Oh don't. That's there you listen. go. Puppies, babies, that sort of thing. By the way, I got to give you a shout out on your hat. I, it is. It was new haircut week, and I had a few hats, so I didn't have one today. The Ben Franklin Sixers um, lid you have on right now is absolutely fire. Yeah, I don't know. People are asking if I'm a Sixers fan. No, I just like getting hats with good logos. It was on sale. So this is a uh, Ben Franklin dribbling a basketball. I don't know what the Canadian equivalent to that would be, but maybe the Raptors can. James Naismith, like, James Naismith, uh, inventing basketball with the peach basket. Yeah, so that that thought, that would be the Canadian version of. I that. thought this was a hilarious logo, and the Sixers are actually they're in first right now, and uh, Joel Embiid sounds like he's not going to be the MVP of the year, but doesn't mean he's not a great basketball player. Hey, one other topic that we're getting in here, and maybe it, now Mal Paris, it's pronounced. GIF, not GIF. I, I know mean, what it's G- pronounced. Okay, so is GIF. it GIF or JIF? It's JIF. According to who? I've always thought the it was creator GIF. Of, I, the creator of the uh, file extension says that it's JIF. But I've been calling it GIF for like over 20 years, so I'm not changing. But I mean, JIF is J-I-F. I it's mean, a they, hard, there's a brand a of peanut G. butter. It's a hard G hmm, or soft interesting. G. Interesting. JIF. Yeah. Well, I may have to. Uh, well, it's good to know. I did not know that. I guess I've been mispronouncing it forever as well. Um, Reem, do we even want to touch on this Jake Paul Floyd Mayweather uh, thing from yesterday? I mean, yes. you can you can do a lot of things to a man, but to to take their hat like you were in grade one or grade two. I mean, that's that's how you promote a fight. Um, what a farce that was yesterday. I'll, I said this to you before. I will watch it. This Jake Paul, but it is a joke, but I will watch it. I'm not going to pay attention to any of this hype. I don't know. I don't care that he took the guy's hat. They're, I know what's going on here, but uh, if Snoop Dogg's on the broadcast, I'll watch it. <laughs> there, there's, 
it it that was the most staged thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, usually if something like that happened, that guy is getting like it's not like Floyd Mayweather is just rolling around with one dude. I mean, he always is coming strapped with a big entourage, as I'm sure is Jake Paul with a bunch of security guys. So the fact that that happened and there wasn't really any like it was that was the old scrum scene from WWE that they do before every pay-per-view right at the end to build everything up with the big the break apart and everything. Like, I can't believe there are people that are actually taking this seriously. But again, there will be a lot of eyeballs on it. Um, It was everywhere yesterday when it happened, but absolutely ridiculous and more staged than WWE. Like Winnipeg Jets 280 says in chat. I want to see Mayweather knock that kid out. Like, they're not going to be fighting. Like, it's it's an exhibition. It's going to be a joke. Like, there's not, like, real punches being thrown. I don't know. I'm not. Well, it's Mayweather. I mean, how does he, like, now he's he's been in some ridiculous staged events before. Like, the Conor but McGregor again, one still... was brutal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was t- it's going to be like that, but worse. Connor's still calling Mayweather out wanting a rematch. He knows and I paid he's... for that. I, I paid for that fight. It was the summer. There was nothing going on. So there's, uh, they're always, is that fight in the summer? This um, Logan Paul Mayweather uh, one? Appar- apparently. Because apparently. usually. And by the, the way, that was, it was his brother. So Jake Paul took the hat, but Mayweather's actually fighting his brother Logan. Is that right? I don't know the I difference. I think that's right. Between I think that's them. right. I, there's two. I just thought there was one. Like which one knocked out Nate Robinson? Is that uh, one, which one the, beat uh, Ben Askren? Yeah, that? that's Jake. That's Jake. But the other one, Logan, I believe, is the one that's fighting Floyd. Oh, there's two. I can't keep up with this man. Come but on, every, you're a big YouTuber. You gotta, you gotta pay attention to the uh, to the the industry leaders. Reem. But uh, that's that's actually a good point. But uh, <laughs> I don't. Every summer, there's some like ridiculous like fight event. So I remember we had the Pacquiao Mayweather. We had Mayweather, um, McGregor, and what? Now it's Mayweather and Logan <laughs> Logan Paul. Paul. <laughs> like, okay, okay. There like, is a big fight on the weekend. Canelo is actually back in the ring in a legitimate boxing. Is match that on Dazzle? Legitimate world champion. Um, it probably is. That's Although probably I why I don't know about to, it. He tried to get out of his break his Dazzle contract dream. Canelo should be your favorite I, fighter now. When. NFL Sunday ticket moved to Dazen. I muted Dazen on Twitter, so I don't know anything that goes on in that channel. And so it doesn't exist to me. Remo was so triggered by what happened with the NFL Sunday ticket fiasco a couple of years ago. I've never seen anyone be more on the wrong side of Michael Remus. They got banned. They got muted. They may have actually even been blocked. I'm not sure, but I'm just that's... getting so many ads for it. I muted them. I'm done. So I don't. There's fights that happen that I don't know about because uh, Dazen is muted on my Twitter. Um, they, ruined, yeah, back... they ruined the NFL in Canada. They ruined it. <laughs> I know you can get Sunday Ticket on cable now. You can't get Red Zone on cable, and what? So you can watch delayed. Red Zone, so you get the alerts on your phone. Well, before was it, it Red Zone? Red Zone was free last year if you uh, subscribe to TSN. TS- yeah, but it was—it's so delayed. Like you get the alerts on your phone, and then you watch it on the TV. Uh, not, that's not fun. No, no, it needs to be like up to the second. There's no doubt about that. Um, hey, tonight, cool bet lines. We got the Wings at Columbus, lining in the Blue Jackets minus one thirty-nine favorites. Dallas Stars, last call for Dallas, trying to stay alive for the playoffs. They got a tough one. They're plus 125 in Tampa against the Lightning. Uh, Washington hosting Philly. Caps minus 192. Wild, big favorites against the Anaheim Ducks at 
minus 294. Abs minus 270 over the Kings. And late night, Vegas minus 179 against the Blues, who are playing plus 150. Uh, closest odds of the entire night. Late game, Coyotes against the Sharks. Coyotes minus 110 on the road in the Shark Tank. Yeah, we did have a winner yesterday. Um, we said on this show, Boston, book it against the Rangers. And they threw down Taylor Hall getting on the score sheet again for Boston. And I saw some quotes today. Yeah, feels like Taylor Hall's really rejuvenated since coming to Boston. It's like he's a new person. I think. See, did, did you see that one coming? Was that the least surprising thing ever? He scored two goals for Buffalo all season. I think he's got like triple that with Boston now. He's got. I think he's got like eight on the year now. I'm uh, still mad that he didn't get a hat trick in the first game. I was pretty much convinced that that was going to happen coming right out of the gate. He's been so. Let me see his goals on. The, yeah, he's got eight goals on the season. So, I mean, the least shocking thing ever. So I don't know. Was he? Is Buffalo just that bad, or was he just collecting free money from the Sabers? Uh, I think Buffalo was that bad because of players like Taylor Hall collecting free money from the Sabres and not really mean to end. I listen, I got nothing against Taylor Hall. I just think that he has been um, you know, a guy that's been very disappointing. He's not a guy that's gonna drive your team and be your number one guy. Uh, but maybe this is a perfect fit going in there in Boston, not needing to be that guy, but still being a pretty damn talented player that can score you some goals when you need it. Um that that division, by the way. Going into this weekend, Pittsburgh, 75 points. They've only got one more game. And then the Caps, 73. Bruins, 71. Both at 53. I think it's most likely that that's the way that it finishes. Islanders, pretty much, uh, unless Bruins lose out, the Islanders will finish fourth. Um, So, yeah, Pittsburgh Islanders, Caps, Bruins would be good. I'd love to see Boston maybe run the table and somehow get first and then we could just get right to it. Sid, Ovi, round one, one more time. Yeah, is that, is that, is that the rivalry that still people care about? That's not a tired rivalry? Still no, no they're that? two of the all-time greats going at it. It's a, it is a great rivalry. I mean, would you rather see them play the Islanders? No, God. No. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> give, me, give me Sid and Ovi, Boston and the Islanders. And um, most of these matchups pretty much are set. As I said, Carolina wins a game. We know it's going to be Carolina, likely Nashville, unless Dallas uh, overtakes them. Tampa and Florida is mm-hmm. pretty much set. We just went through the East. Um, you know, Montreal right now, the way they're looking at, they're pretty much set to be playing the Leafs, Jets and Oilers. And man, this Minnesota Avalanche series, assuming that Vegas finishes the job and finishes first, I mean, as good as Colorado has been, what a brutal path through the playoffs. They have to take on Minnesota in the first round, then go through Vegas in the second round. That um, that division is top-heavy, but you know, very similar to the East with the two Florida teams in Carolina. Um, whoever, whoever gets out of that division is going to definitely have to earn it. Yeah, it's actually crazy looking at the standings right now, how the playoffs are basically uh, basically set. Yeah. Um I we talked about this a week ago like there or a while ago actually how like we basically knew all the playoff teams and there's really nothing going on. I don't know what to make of that. I know there's a uh, a lot of teams that are what like out of it and rebuilding but you think you'd have, you know, in a shortened season you'd have like some like meaningful games at the end. Well, especially in the North Division. I mean, to yeah. me that's the biggest surprise. Um that like 
I, I couldn't imagine a scenario where there wasn't meaningful games in that, you know, final five, six games of the season. But here's where we are. Montreal still needs to officially book their spot in the playoffs, but the Jets are in. Um, and really the only other spots that haven't officially been clinched are St. Louis in the West and Nashville tonight in the Central. Um, and that we could have the playoff races set completely, um, although the matchups could potentially change. Um, what else is going on this weekend, Reem? You're just going to figure out what you're going to do for Mother's Day? Maybe a quick zoo trip before everything gets shut down again? Yeah, i got to wait and figure out what I can do. Uh, at 6 o'clock, I will have a better idea. Maybe I'll get in, try to get in some more MLB The Show on uh, on PlayStation. Um, I took a walk the other day, so I think my batting eye is improving. i got a solid squad in the works. That's um, good. We we got to do the uh, we got to do the cross platform game coming up soon. I'm, yeah, we'll uh, have to try to. Yeah, probably, we got to get. You'll probably work me, but I was thinking know. about when these like restrictions are are over and we can hang out in person. How fun would it be to have like uh, you know a couch play like NHL '94 or something? You can invite oh. Mur- Murat, Hamilton, <laughs> Toast, yes, get everyone yes. in. Have a little uh, game. We can do a lot on this YouTube channel and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if people want to watch that or not, but if we incorporate some some great hockey discussion during said uh, said event, maybe we could. And uh, all right, yeah, what's Ma- going on? Manny Fred, new yet new restrictions are coming at six tonight. Just worried golf will be included. No. Uh, there, there's no way. There's no way they can include golf. I mean, there's no like outside of the province of Ontario. There is no medical people, scientists, anyone that's saying that golf is dangerous at all, as long as you follow the rules and, you know, keep your distance, which is the easiest place maybe anywhere to keep your distance on a massive golf okay. course spaced out. So fingers crossed on that. I will be, I'll be out of my mind if that happens. I don't think it will though. Yeah. I don't know. I know the people in Ontario are like fighting to get golf approved. That's like the only place in the world where you can't golf right now. So I'm not gonna. I'm. I, that's what you're saying. I'm not. Um, I'm not gonna. You know, have any judgment. I mean, we can all. Yes, uh, Spanish Red Eye in chat says we can always play PGA 2K. Uh, yeah, we. I have. I have had a few games online with Spanish Red Eye, and yes, there will be some games going on this weekend. I'll look forward to that. But tomorrow we'll focus in on the Winnipeg Jets and the Ottawa Senators, and then Reem, we get into next week. Couple makeup games yeah. against the Canucks. One more against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then it is go time on the Stanley Cup playoffs and. You know, I think most people are looking to see if the Jets can continue to build on what they've looked like the last couple games and get to a point where um, they're ready to give their best against Toronto or Edmonton when the puck drops on the Stanley Cup. Yeah, nice little homestand to finish up the season. Maurice was saying today that they're not going to rest anyone like uh, load management style, but maybe they'll even out the minutes. I mean, he says one thing and then does another thing sometimes, as we've seen like with the D rotation most recently. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to look at the, uh, the game charts after and see, but one thing for sure we should, we're going to get, we're probably going to do some, uh, we've done pools in the past. Maybe we'll do a bracket challenge or some kind of a box pool for fans of the Winnipeg sports talk. But, uh, will I'm looking forward to the pool in you know, a playoff pool season as much as I, uh, yes. I hate playoff pools. Cause I think it's very dependent on, uh, I love draw- playoff pools. No, love I- playoff pools. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's a little different. You know, you have to have some, you know, some level of prognostication as to which teams are going to do well, well and which teams are going to be there at the end. Love it. Well, I think a lot of it depends on where you pick, where you, what number you draw on the order. That's kind of what I, how I feel. Mm. 
more so, more so than a regular auction. Pool. Is there an auction playoff pool? We should invent it. Yeah, it'd be a great idea. When was the last time any league went to an auction and it wasn't an improvement? I don't think there's ever been that way. Although it, that it is an interesting thought to to do for something like that. All right. Well, listen, it's been an amazing week. Numbers have been awesome. Um, Folks, if you're with us right now, hit that like button. And if you haven't already, do us a favor, hit the red subscribe button. Maybe over the course of the weekend, tell a friend, pick up their phone, say, pull up YouTube, hit that button. Let's get the subs going on. We're going to get to 4K and then we're going to get to 5K and we're going to keep going. We get emails and Instagrams and stuff all the time. Facebook messages saying, um, I just found you guys. We got an email today from James who says... What's up, James? Glad to finally find you guys. Best sports talk show ever. Uh, <laughs> go Jets, go. And then he adds in, misses uh, the call-in audience like Ralph from St. James and the guy from California, to name a couple. I'm pretty sure yeah, Marsh was here. Marsh was here. here. I'm not sure if he's still so, here, but he's been here for a while. So people don't know, even though we're the number nine podcast on a uh, hockey podcast on apple people there's people who don't know about us so uh i don't know if you see us like us, give us a like give us a share thumbs up subscribe we're close to hitting 4k subs on uh on youtube and you asked me before the show you said hey how does it feel to be a hundred thousand views on youtube and a hundred thousand <laughs> podcast downloads and i was like doesn't matter it only matters yeah. if you win the cup that's what we're here to do <laughs> It's a shout out to Blake Wheeler being asked about 800, but in all honesty, it's uh, you got to celebrate the accomplishments on the way there. So two months. That was some. That was amazing yeah. news. Um, you know, the YouTube's been really successful. The podcast has been beyond what we could have imagined. So to hit 100k in both in less than two months, uh, we can't thank everybody enough for all their support. But we want to keep growing. We want to keep her going. Um, and we will do that on Monday with uh, a look ahead to the playoffs, a wrap of the weekend game against Ottawa, get ready for the games against the Canucks and the Leafs to finish off the regular season. Um, big shout out to all, all of our great sponsors, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, CoolBet.com, Nick and Nikki DQ, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, and of course, Trevor Knott and the gang over at Knott Auto Corp. Um, big thanks to Jim Toth, Jeff Hamilton for joining us today, and everybody with us in the chat, and of course, everyone listening a little bit later on on the podcast. Folks, have a great weekend. Uh, be safe. Follow the rules. We will get through this. And if you have an opportunity, get that shot. And let's get back out to watching sports together. I cannot wait for that. In the meantime, though, happy Mother's Day to all you moms. We love you. We'll see you on Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.